Amen. Let me give you our story real quick uh, this morning. I'm going to give a, uh, get into the Word today. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus 35, verse 5. We're in our series about the journey, and uh, we've kind of followed the children of Israel. But today I want to talk about being Missions Sunday uh, at Sanctuary. I really want to talk to you about this one thing. If I was to title the message this morning, it would really be, When You Really Respond to Grace. What does it look like when you really respond to grace? We're all on a journey of life, and that journey of life in the Christian life looks a lot like the journey that Israel went on in the wilderness. And let me give it to you like this. You and I have a story just like the story of the children of Israel. And like the children and the nation of Israel, every person is born bound in the slavery and the sin of Egypt. We're all born into slavery and bound into sin, and we've lost our identity as the people of God. And so uh, we cried out to God, and God in His grace sent us a deliverer like Moses, our Christ, which means Messiah. Moses became a Savior for Israel, and Christ became a Savior for you and I, the Gentile nations, the other people of the world. And just like that, God in His power shakes up some Egypt. And with a mighty, strong right hand, God is powerfully overcome the enemy. And you and I, by faith, if we simply, like Israel, apply the blood of the Lamb to the doorposts of our hearts by faith, God said, do it, we do it by faith, and we stay under that blood, the Bible says the wrath of God, like that death angel, passes over us. That's where we get the word Passover. The wrath of God passes over those who are under the blood. And by faith, simply we know that God has plundered the enemy and that by faith we follow our Messiah right out of Egypt. We simply don't have to do anything. We don't do anything. We simply walk out of Egypt by faith following our Christ, Savior, Messiah. And we get to a defining moment in our life where we get to the moment of water baptism. And we say, in that moment, God, my Egypt is no more. My journey with you has begun. And God parts the Red Sea. We go down with him into the waters of baptism as if to die with Christ. And we are washed, renewed of the Holy Spirit, cleansed of our sin, leaving Egypt behind. And we come out on the other side, people of God. Somebody say amen. That's baptism. Baptism in our life is a turning point. It means there's no going back. You didn't cross those waters on your own and you can't go back to Egypt. So there's so many Christians today trying to get back to Egypt, falling back. But I'm going to tell you something. If you really, really cross the waters of baptism, truly in your heart, I'm not talking about getting in a tank, in your heart, you truly choose Jesus. You can't go back if you try. Because something's happened in you and you didn't do it by yourself. God saved your soul, remade you into something new. You're a child of the Most High God. Amen? Amen. And so now, day by day, you are in the wilderness of life, in this world of sin, which that was the name of the wilderness they entered in, the wilderness of sin. You and I are navigating the wilderness of sin, following our Christ Messiah, our Moses, and the Spirit of God, the pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. And when... The Spirit moves, we move. Paul says, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. And every day through the wilderness of this life, you are to say, Moses, what are you saying to me? Christ, what are you saying to me? Spirit of God, where are you moving? And if you move, I move. But here's what happens. We all get to another defining moment in our life where we get to the Mount of God, Mount Sinai. This is where we've fallen so far in our series. 
And we come to a moment where God says, I want my presence to be in the midst of you. I want to make you a kingdom of priests, a royal people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for my own possession. And I'm going to give you the commandments and a commission that I'm going to make you into an awesome people. And you're going to change the world. You're going to tell the world about what I've done in you and my salvation that I'm going to bring. And you're going to be a light of the world. You're going to bless the nations with the blessing of Abraham. And all people will come into my house of prayer. And my house shall be a house of prayer for the nation. That's what's God's place. So my spirit will dwell in the midst of you. And God is going to make them, or give them the plans to the tabernacle. And on that mountain, when they wanted to get... Uh, God says, if you cleanse yourself and you listen to me by faith, you can come up the mountain and be near to me. And I'm going to give you this. But what happened? Israel said, no, 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 no. We're too fearful of that. We know that we have sin. We really, Moses, you go tell, you go talk to God, then you come back. What happens? Pastor John did a great uh, word, uh, gave a great word last week about when we stay idly by and we miss out on going in deeper into the presence of God, what happens? Idols happen into our life when we're idling. And when we say, God, I'm going to let the pastor do it. God, I'm going to let the church do it. I'm going to let the ministry programs do it. And we miss out on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We miss out on the presence of God. And we miss out on who God has called us to be. And we find idols in our life. But here's the thing, and here's where we are this morning in Exodus chapter 35. Moses, the Christ, for us, intercedes and says, God is still willing to pardon and forgive you, even if you've missed the opportunity. And Christ and Moses alike both renew the covenants that they missed out on and renew the commission. And God says, okay, I'm going to punish them. There's some discipline that he had. You know, there's consequences for sin in your life. Even if God forgives you, there's still consequences. But God says, are you okay? Let's hit reset here for a moment. You and I in our lives, we can be Christians, but we cannot be missional. You know that? I grew up many years of my life being a Christian, but not being missional. I didn't witness. I didn't reach out. I didn't share the gospel. I just lived a good Christian life. And it was all about me getting into heaven. And if you want to get to heaven, I'll tell you a little bit more about it. But I wasn't really going out. And like us and like Israel, we get these places where we miss out on encountering with God. We miss out on the mission of God. We miss out on being the people of God. And we hold back to keep the presence of God at a safe distance. And if we're truth be told, there's probably some idols in our life. But God is willing to forgive. God is willing to renew that fire in you again. God's Spirit is willing to dwell in your midst again. And God is saying, I'm going to give you another chance to be the people of God and renew this work I'm going to do in you. And you're going to be a light to the nations just by being filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's where we are this morning. This moment, in this moment in Israel's history, Israel has repented They've renewed their covenant with God, and God's about to call them to build something. But here's what we're going to talk about today. How your heart responds to God's grace is demonstrated in how you help build His church. How you respond to God's amazing grace is reflected, is illustrated, is proportional to how you enjoy Help building his church. How appreciative am I of my salvation is reflected in how engaged I am in the church of Jesus Christ. Ooh, we got quiet in here this morning. Give you some, we're going to go through this little, this little story here in Exodus chapter 35. 
simply that God had a call to build. Israel had a response. He trained some workers and they began to give more than enough. But let's look at this, break it out here this morning. Exodus chapter 35, verse 5. How did Israel respond to the second chance at being the people of God? And God has replaced the Ten Commandments and He's promised His presence again if they would not compromise, if they would keep resting in Him. And so He gives them a, a, a new, the, renews the commission. He says, here are some detailed plans of what? The tabernacle of God. You know what the word tabernacle means? It means the tent of meeting or the dwelling place of God. It's the place where God would come to dwell. And uh, if you're in Exodus chapter 35, verse 5, somebody say amen. amen. All right. God gives plans on how to build heaven on earth. All right. God says in verse 5, and I'm going to jump to verse 10, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart. Somebody say willing. Willing heart. Let him bring it as the Lord's contribution. Verse 10. Let every skillful man among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Here's what God does. He says, I'm commanding you to do something. If you want to resume this commission, if you want my presence to dwell, I'm going to give you a second chance. I forgive you. And he says, I'm going to tell you how to bring heaven on earth. And he says, give of what you have, but you have to give it willingly. And those who have a skill, they should do that as well. They should employ that skill. This morning, every single person has something to give God. Every single person in this room, every person who hears this sermon has something to give, but there must be joy in giving it. God says, give, but give of a willing heart. He doesn't want it if it's not of a willing heart. If it's not of a contrite spirit, if it's not of a broken spirit, he says, I'm calling those out among you who have a willing heart. Those who just understood, I just forgave you again. I just, you just made an idol. You just walked out. You just missed it again. But you know what? I forgave you. Now, how willing are you to participate in something? God gives these detailed plans today. And the Bible says that these plans of Moses were just copies and shadows of the things that Jesus would do. And Jesus comes on the earth. He, he begins to build God's permanent dwelling and fulfills the covenant through Ezekiel. He says that the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to dwell in the middle of every person's heart who accepts Jesus Christ. And so while Moses gives this temporary thing and he does this, this symbolic thing, Jesus Christ, Christ comes in the first century and he says, you know what, I'm coming that they may have life and life abundantly. I'm coming, the Word of God was made flesh and it dwelt among us. And the Holy Spirit comes and He fills the hearts of men. And even though today uh, we could say, well, God, what's going on here? And, and I don't understand this. The Bible tells us that you and I are living stones in the temple of God. That all of us together today now are that tabernacle that God was planning with Moses. And He says that each of us are a part of God's church. But before we get into the how of giving, God is only interested in willing, generous hearts. He says, here are the plans for building my church. But I only want those people who are so moved by my amazing grace to participate. Am I willing? So before we even talk about what we're talking about today, let's press pause just for a moment. Ask myself, God, you have plans to win the world. 
You have plans to save the entire world. God has a winning plan to save. Do you believe that? God has a winning plan to save the world. It's going to happen. He's going to do it. It's not about me. But I have to get to a moment where I say, God, am I so moved by what you've done for me? And then say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. Is my heart willing to participate in building God's church? So here, look at verse 21, Exodus 35, verse 21. So God has a call to build. He resumes the commission. It was planned by God. He says, I'm looking for willing hearts. And number two, he goes to Exodus 35, verse 21. It becomes personal to them. Here's what happens. It becomes a worshipful response, and it was personal. It becomes in a moment where it says, I want to give. Why? Well, think about this for a moment. They saw the plans of God. They said, God, here's... God says, I need this many ringlets. I need this many curtains of goat hair. I need this many gold things. I need this many bronze things. I need all this wood. And I need this kind of stuff. And he said, here's the detailed plans. And Moses goes out and he tells them, here's what God says we're to build for God's presence to dwell in the middle of our camp. If we want God's presence to be in the middle of our people. He says, you've got to veil it and build it into this. I can only be in this building. All right? And so I'd say it's, it's just all these rituals and all these things, and you've got to build it exactly like this. And so they see the plan. They say, we need this many ounces of gold or pounds of gold. We need this many pounds of silver, this many pounds of wood, this many pounds of material. And the whole congregation, two million people hear this. And it becomes personal. You know what? Sometimes we hear so many mission services, but it never becomes personal. We hear so many altar calls about evangelism, but it never becomes personal. We say, yes, amen, good plan, God. Amen. Hallelujah. But it became personal to them. Look in verse 21. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and for all of its service and all of the holy garments. So they heard the plans of the tabernacle. They saw the need. And Exodus says this. If you go down, it says they brought jewelry even their signet rings. You know what that is? That's that thing that says, this is my family crest. That's like a prized possession from great-grandpa. All right? That don't, you don't just give that away. You don't even let your kids hold it. You know, you keep that in the drawer in the safe or whatever. And so it says they gave up their signet rings. And she's like, God, I want to participate in building a dwelling place in the midst. I want for my children to have a dwelling place in the midst of this congregation. So God, here's my signet ring. It says... But they even went further. It said those who had silver and gold brought silver and gold. Those who had rich materials brought rich materials. Those who could weave and spin began to spin. And those whose hearts were moved began to give free will offerings. What does that mean? Today, you and I, you've got something to give. The rulers and the ruling class began to bring, because they could afford the oil and they had the oil at home, began to bring the oil. And those who had goat hair, anybody have goat hair at home? I don't think so. A couple of us. Uh, okay, we're in Louisiana, after all. Uh, you know, some of them had goat hair, and so that God required goat hair around uh, for curtains. And so they began to do that. And so whatever they thought, they looked at the plan in, of God and said, here's how we can build a dwelling place of the Spirit of God in our midst. And they said, and God, here's the plan. It's very detailed. And that, so, you know, brother, sister, and so-and-so looks back and says, Honey, well, I don't have any fancy oil. Or, God, we don't have any goats. Or, God, we don't, we don't have any gold. But what I do have, I have this. 
God, I can spin, I can sew, I can carve. Or God, maybe I have this, I have this amount of money. I have have these few old rings from Grandma back then, and I've kept them all these years. This is all that I have. And they began to give it. Whatever they had, whatever was unique to them, say, God, I can participate in that. All right, God, I can participate in that. Okay, God, I can give a little bit towards that. And it says their hearts were stirred and their spirits were moved. You know what that means to me? It wasn't an emotional response. It was a spiritual response. It wasn't given because we show a crying video. It wasn't given because we we beg or because it was guilted on. It was given because they were excited because God wanted to dwell among them. They were excited because God wanted to save the world and use them to do it. They were excited and so moved by what God had just forgiven them again and again. The grace of God, it began to amaze them. And they began to just willfully, free willing, give. God, I can participate in your mission this way. God, this is what I have. I can participate this way. God, I can attend that. God, I can go there. I can say that. God, I can give that. I can use that talent. I can use that talent. And they began to do that. Their hearts were stirred and their spirits were moved. It wasn't something extra. It was all and in all. The Bible says you and I are called to build upon the foundation Christ laid. You know what? Today, it's, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about building with bricks. I'm not talking about building with wood. But before I can talk about giving any kind of offering to God, it's got to be a spiritual movement on your heart. I can talk about missions all day long. I can talk about giving all day long. And I'm not talking about even money. But God, has there happened something in my heart that moves me when I think about lost people? Heaven help me. God, am I broken for the lost? God, am I excited that every Sunday I can come to a place and there are people here who are filled with the Spirit of God and I get to go? Or God, that there are people out there who are willing to participate and they're willing to move their families and miss Christmases and birthdays and anniversaries and and, uh, family reunions and they go for four years at a time never seeing their family in person. And God, while I'm not called to do that, but God, I can give towards that. God, I can pray for that. God, I'm excited that souls are being saved around the world. God, I'm excited that even though the news says we're losing, God, that we're winning. God, I can give. Not extra. I can give even my signet ring. Something dear to me that you've given me, God. Because, God, I have been called out of Egypt. God, I've been delivered. I've passed through the Red Sea. I've seen God provide for me time and time again in the wilderness of life. God, I messed up and you forgave me yet anyway and you still want to dwell among me and you still want to use me? Yes, God, I'll go. Yes, God, I'll give. It's joyful to make disciples. My job today is to say, God, I know you've got a plan to build his church. God, you've got a plan to build your church. He's got a detailed plan in every country. He's got a detailed plan in every county and parish. He's got a detailed plan in every town. Just like he had a detailed plan for that tabernacle. He's got a detailed plan for Regina, Louisiana, how to build his church. My job is to say, look, God, I see your big plan. I hear it. And God, I can give that wood. 
I can give that ring, I can give that piece of gold, I can spin that, or I can sow that, or I can build that. Whatever it is that we'd build a dwelling place, God's church. God, what are you calling me to do? It was a worshipful response. It was personal. Because I want to participate. I don't want nobody to take my spot. You know what? I don't want nobody to take my spot and give in to God. Are you there this morning? Next, he says he called spirit-filled train. We're looking at Exodus 35, verse 30. And Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord is called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri and the son of Hur and the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all craftsmanship to make designs for working in gold and silver and bronze and the cutting of stones for setting and the carving of wood as to, perform, as to perform every inventive work. God gave him some creative filling of the Holy Spirit. And he has also put in his heart to teach both he and Ohilibab, however you want to say that today, and the son of Ahizamak, sorry, the tribe of Dan. Don't you name your children these names? Okay, but look at these. What happened here? God began, so when, when, when he had the detailed plan and he saw the worshipful response of the people, that it was personal to them about his amazing grace, and their hearts were stirred and their spirits were moved, God in advance had anointed spirit-filled men and women of God. And he anoints two men. And he says, I've filled these two men with the Holy Spirit. He baptized them in the Holy Spirit is what he did. He baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. He gives them a creative spirit. He says, you have now have the ability to build my dwelling place. And he says, in their hearts, not only have I given them the anointing of God and the, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to build this, I also give them the gift of discipling other people. And so he begins to call, Moses begins to call all of the skilled men and women, people who could spin, people who could cut wood and engrave things and melt gold and all that. He begins to call them and they begin to form a kind of a union, a guild. And these two men who are filled with the Holy Spirit begin to make disciples, trained workers, and says, this is how God wants us to make the rings. This is how God wants us to make the Ark of the Covenant. This is how God wants us to make the curtains. And this is how God wants us to set it up. And they begin to disciple and say, maybe they were master skills, uh, skillful in these crafts. And they begin to teach the next generation of people. In this right now, you and I see what God is doing. God is building His church. And He's laid out the detailed plans to build His church globally, to make a dwelling place, a tabernacle in this world. And He says, I'm looking for willing people, stirred up people, people whose spirits are so moved. And I've anointed people in every location, every place around the world who'd be spirit-filled, anointed men and women of God who have the designs in them to reach their city, their town, and their parish. It's not just pastors. It's all kinds of people. Unique people, creative people. they got things in their minds that God's been putting in there, things in their hearts they've been dreaming about until this moment when the people were ready. And I've called these men at a time such as this to rise up. And now the people are ready to, for revival to build a dwelling place. And now they're going to begin to disciple the people around them who can take these crafts and build the church like I've called them to build it. In a day like today, God has 
waiting for the church to rise up. I think there are people sitting in pews all across our parish and our state and our county and our, uh, and our country today who God had put a dream, a vision, maybe it be an orphanage or a food bank or a ministry to single moms or, or something that would bridge the gaps uh, uh, going over to Africa. And, and, or it could be missions or it could be here reaching oil workers or bikers or, or whatever it may be. God has put spirit-filled people in every congregation to build his tabernacle, his place of dwelling, his church. And he has called them to teach and to start discipling a generation of people who can take the gifts and skills of God and accomplish this mission. And what happens here is he says that he filled him and they begin to train one another. God fills us with the Holy Spirit and gives us the tools necessary to do the job. Today, God gives many types of spiritual gifts to everyone in his church. Some are manifestational like prophecy. Some are motivational like encouragement and helps. Some of you guys just give real good hugs. That's a gift. Some are ministerial. Some are called to be an evangelist or pastor or teacher. But whatever your gift, we are called to use them wholeheartedly for God's glory And then to teach others. Sunday school teachers should be preparing the next generation of Sunday school teachers. Worship team members should be preparing the next generation of worship team members. Door greeters should be preparing the next generation of door greeters. People who are witnessing out in the called an evangelist should be preparing the next generation of evangelists. The Bible tells us we build God's church when we are discipled by spirit-filled leadership. We build God's church when we make disciples by preaching the word. We build God's church when we keep peace and unity in the local church. Scripture says we build God's church when we encourage and love one another as Christ loved the church. When we keep our holy faith and we pray in the Holy Spirit, that's when we build God's church. What are you doing in your part to build up God's church? What's your role in God's master plan to win the world? The next he moves on in verse 30, chapter 36, verse 5. Look there. So God calls the plan. He sees a worshipful response. It got personal to them. He spirit-filled some people. Some people got spirit-filled and they begin to train other people and it was empowered. So it was personal and it was empowered. And then it became... More than enough. It was provided for. Exodus 36, verse 5. Moses begins to organize all these workers, and each day their hearts move them. They begin to bring these free will offerings to complete the work. And, and it comes to Moses' ears, all the workers and all these guys that are just excited to be a part of what God's doing. And he says, verse uh, 5, it says, And they said to Moses, Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction of the work the Lord has commanded us to perform. And Moses had issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform work for the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from giving, restrained from bringing any more for the material they had was sufficient and more than enough for all the work to perform. How many people have ever been at church where the ushers come back up at the end and say, you know what, guys, you gave too much this morning. Take it back. Anybody ever been in that kind of church? I've yet to see one, but I'd love to be the first. Amen? (laughs) 
They were unrestrainable. And wanting, it wasn't about, again, it wasn't about giving money. It was about saying, God, I want to participate in building a dwelling place. God, I want to participate in seeing the Spirit of God come down and light up this world. God, I want to participate in being a chosen race, a holy people, a people for God's own possession, a royal priesthood. God, we want our children's children to see you high and lifted up. God, we want to see this tangible presence of God activated in our community. We want to see heaven come down to earth and people know there is a God. That's what it was about. That's what it was about. It became more than enough. They gave more than enough. Everyone was engaged whose hearts moved them. And their hearts were abandoned to give. Everyone who had something gave. And everyone who could work, worked. And they created heaven on earth in a record six months. Because they had abandoned hearts. Why were they abandoned? Because God would one day send His Son in John chapter 1. And the Word of God would become flesh. And He would dwell among us. God, I want to build a dwelling place. I want to build a, a dwelling place. The church of God. Members, you and I are the dwelling place of Jesus Christ on this earth. And the more people we add to God's church the bigger the dwelling place gets. The more people we send as dwelling places around the world, the bigger the dwelling place gets. And it says they gave more than enough because they had abandoned hearts, unrestrained hearts. It's not just about financial offerings. It's about being a part of God's master plan to make disciples. Giving my time, my talent, my treasure... And it comes out doing it like in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where the believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. The Holy Spirit moves in signs and wonders. They meet daily together. They remember Christ each week, and they share everything they had to win the loss. They begin to start food banks and food pantries. They begin to minister to widows and to orphans. And they begin even willingly selling their property uh, for other believers who had a need. And they had great Joy and favor with all the people. And then the Lord added to their number day by day those He was already saving. Why were they unrestrained? Because they wanted God to dwell among them. Let me just sum it up with this. Lastly, all the supplies were together. They stopped everyone and said, Okay, guys, we've done it. Six months later, we've built this thing for God to dwell in. And Moses comes in and Moses begins himself to set it all up. Moses puts the curtains and Moses puts all the things in the right place and Moses begins to anoint with oil and blood, anoints the priest, and Moses finishes the job. He anoints the priest and in that moment the Shekinah glory of God comes down. You know what the word Shekinah glory means? It means the dwelling of God. The dwelling of God in heaven comes down and fills the dwelling that they had made. And the presence of God was so strong, Moses couldn't even go in. And from then on, Israel began to follow that presence as it descended. Where it would lead them, they would go. The dwelling of God filled the dwelling they built. 
And just as Moses was the one who ultimately erected the tabernacle, Jesus Christ is the one who builds his church. Let me tell you something. Without the presence of God, it would have just been another tent. And without the presence of God in our church, we'll just be another social club, another nonprofit, another bunch of good guys and gals coming to drink some coffee and sing some songs. Without the presence of God, we're not the church. And Jesus Christ builds his church, but he asks for you and I for willing hearts, willing hands, and stirred spirits. Say, whoever sees my master plan, are you willing? Are you moved by the grace of God? Do you want a dwelling place in the midst of this society that we live in? Do you want your kids to know the tangible presence of God? Do you want this town to be impacted by a tangible presence of God and not just have a bunch of churches on every corner and everyone think they're saved and going to heaven? It's time to get serious about making disciples. It's time to get serious about having the presence of God show up in our meetings, showing up in our small groups, showing up in our youth groups, showing up in our kids' church, showing up in the parking lot before people even get in the door. The presence of God is everything. We're not here to build more programs. We're not here to give more food while we want to do that. We're not here to, to build more buildings. We're not here to just put other people in another country. We're here to say, God, I am so moved that you pulled me out of Egypt, that you called me by name, that you're leading me through this promised land, to the promised land, that you forgave me again and again, and you still want to use me. I want to help build a dwelling place for the Spirit of God in this world. When we set our hearts to do the work of God, the Spirit of God will be evident again. Why are so many churches not growing? Why don't we see signs and wonders and miracles? Because we're not serious about building a dwelling place. We're not thankful for the grace of God. Again, the gospel has become old news, not good news. Nobody's moved anymore about the cross or the blood. Nobody's seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit anymore. When we get serious about building God's church, the Spirit of God will come back again. But let me pray over us, and then we're going to have a time to respond after this video is over. But I want God's constant, visible, guiding presence in our church. And if we want to see that, we must be missional. We must make disciples and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father God, over every heart and life today.